0: Aces. Welcome to this week's episode of Grown Woman Stuff with me, Julie Jones. I had to take off for the Labor Day weekend to kind of recalibrate. So I'm glad that you are back with me. And today we are talking to one of the realest. Ever since she came to this market, we met and immediately clicked. She embraced me. She was real. She not only cares about what she does at her job, but she shows up authentically and the full agency of who she is. I'm talking about KSHB's Dia Wall. She's part of what I call the Soul Patrol and as her and Kevin Holmes bring the real to the news, and I love it. But you know, while Dia engages with members of the community to tell their stories, this time my sister is a storyteller, adding author to her resume with her first book, a sorta memoir, The Unhappiest One. I love Dia's candidness as she shares her journey, the highs and lows of her career, her childhood, becoming a mother, even fights with her hub, because challenger's nobody who say they get along all the time. be real you can get to a place and feel you have it all what you've been looking for and still there's some emptiness so it's good to hear dia discuss that and finding her sweet spot and where her joy truly comes from sidebar sis claims she ain't a preacher but we might need to pass the offering plate because she does give a sermon so lean in for this wonderful conversation with my girl kshb 41's dia wall it is time for this episode of Grown Woman Stuff with me Julie Jones. I just to talked to another grown woman and you know her, my girl from KSHB. Not only is she an award-winning journalist, wife, mama too, but now we can add author to her <laughs> resume. It is D. O. Wall. What's good, D? What's up? What's up? How you doing? Doing wonderful. We are talking to my friend who has the most poppiness, natural, bouncy curls ever on the screen. All your natural graciousness on Channel 41. What's been good, Miss Dia?
1: Man, nothing much, dude, just trying to stay level like everybody else in this crazy world and and put some light and some positivity out there.
0: Which brings me to I'm so excited about this next chapter chapter for you. The Unhappiest One, your book that's coming up. We're going to talk about the book. But D, I got to say, you've been an open book. No pun intended. You've talked about life as a mom. I saw your story about nursing, you know, in the room, not literally in the room of President Obama, but kind of in the room of President Obama at the time. Like, you know what I mean? You didn't pull it down. He talking like, hey, but (laughs) deal with that. You know, the public. What has been the biggest lesson you've learned on your journey?
1: You know, the biggest lesson is that no matter what happens to you, you get to control how you respond. And that sounds like really evolved and (laughs) mature of me, but that's something, Julie, I had to learn over time. And I say these are like hard fought truths for me. That's what I've had to learn, you know, good, Mm -hmm. bad, and different when I feel like I'm killing it and at the top of my game, or when I feel like I'm in the lowest points that I could possibly be in. I think it, it took me looking at me. So often the easy thing to do, no matter if you're happy, sad, frustrated, is to think that there's something external, you know, mm. that's to blame. And the the lesson that I had to learn was, no, Dia, you're not always right. Sometimes you need to check your own heart. Sometimes you need to check your priorities. You know, where are you looking? Are you looking up or are you mm. looking down? And so I think that um, that was what I had to learn. It was mostly that I had a lot more control and agency than I thought I did or appreciated that I did.
0: And sometimes we don't see that, right? Like we suffer from imposter syndrome. Like we don't think we have the ability to own who we are, or step up into our space. And I know that has to be something, particularly in the media industry. And you're on TV, so I know that's a whole nother ball game. How did you become a news anchor? Let's start there, Dia.
1: I've always wanted to be a journalist. Okay. Uh, my mom is a news junkie, full confession. So she would watch one network in the morning, one at like five or six around dinner time, and then a different one at 10. And I used to say, mom, why do you watch all of them? She said, <laughs> I watch all of them and then I decide what the truth is. <laughs> so okay. to this day, you. that's my news philosophy, right? I consume a lot of different things. And then I boil that down to, okay, I've gotten these different perspectives. Here's what I believe is the most authentic version of truth. How should I respond from there? I've always wanted to be a journalist. 60 Minutes was my jam. I actually used to record <laughs> it on those old school VHS tapes, and uh, grown women don't know what we're talking about on that one. Uh, okay. And I would watch it back. And I just remember there was a story Ed Bradley did on the boat people who were coming in through the port in Miami. And these are folks literally going across oceans on these tiny mm. little boats just to get to America to get a shot at freedom. And He's doing the story and one of the the founding principles of journalism is you report on the story. You don't become the story. And these people are trying to get out of this boat because they finally see the shore. Ed Bradley, Julie, walks out there and starts helping people out of the boat. And I'm like, mom, mom, is he supposed to be doing that? Is he supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. that? He's like, just watch. And the whole first part of that story started with him talking about this is a huge problem. It's illegal immigration. They need to crack down all these different things. So the first three to four minutes of this piece, I'm like, oh, my God, these people are breaking the law. No, 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 no. And my mom said, what do you feel?
0: Wow. And
1: I, it sounds crazy, but like small moments can really direct your life in a way. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, there are babies out there. She was like, what do you feel? And so my mom's like tagline in life has always been, I think what you think. It didn't matter what the law was to me watching that story. Right. What mattered is this man saw people in distress and was able to go out there and respond. Not only was I educated on what the issue was, but I was educated on how we collectively as a country could respond. And I was nine years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, I have goosebumps telling that story now. But I say that to say mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be a journalist, Julie. I've always loved telling people stories. And for me, it's special when you can look up and see somebody who reflects you, somebody who talks like you, somebody who laughs like you, somebody yes. who knows the same holiday customs that you do. And for a lot of folks who are not minorities, they don't know what a treasure it is when that happens. And so, yeah, man, all I ever wanted to do was mm-hmm. tell stories.
0: That's amazing that you knew what you wanted to do so young. The seed was planted. Obviously, you are definitely gifted in that. I love watching Soul Patrol and KSHB, girl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, but yeah, started from the bottom
0: Look, now and we- now you're here and that's what a lot of people don't see because we see the glitz and glamour of TV your outfit is fly the hair just you know I had to text you when they'd be like girl your hair is shiny what you pulling your hair <laughs> <laughs> makeup together and even in the industry there's different salaries for people different aspects but what do you think the biggest misnomer people have on the outside looking in about media and journalism and it being a life of glamour
1: I think it's twofold. I think it's one that we show up and we're like some sort of pampered princess, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I work with an S on it. I works, okay? (laughs) So the stories that you see me telling, I find those stories. The people you see me interviewing, I set up those interviews. The families you see me profiling, these are people I sit down with at their kitchen table. And so this is not a, I'm here at five and six and then I go home and then maybe I come back and do the 10 o'clock show for you no, I'm all in. This is a hard job. And it requires a lot Mm -hmm. of dedication, a lot of flexibility. Um, It requires a super supportive spouse. Shout out to my husband, Kevin. And it requires, I mean, and it's the same for you, Julie, you know, you're on the air for hours and hours. And then great causes, nonprofits, organizations, sometimes fun events or concerts, and people want to interact with you and people want to see you in their hood. And I respect that. And I want to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the biggest misnomers is that all we do is show up for the party in a good time. No, nah, it's a lot of work out here. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's mm-hmm. what makes you successful in the moment you do get to shine is being able to put in that hard work and put in that grind. You know what I mean? And consistently mm-hmm. show up with authenticity and compassion.
0: And that's the key, because a lot of times people don't even know, like even radio, for instance, people think I just get on the air and, you know, just basically throw some stuff out there. And I've had people, all you do is gossip. You've made your money off gossip. If you really listen to my show, you will hear I do a plethora of things that are from health to mental illness to everything. So you hear what you want to hear. And I have to do more than just click on the Internet, people. But
1: (laughs) it's a lot of work. It's true. Because we also have that responsibility. That's another thing that I think people miss. Um, One of the first asks you had of me after years of us being friends and knowing each other and respecting each Mm -hmm. other in the industry. Hey, can you come do some get out the vote drops? Absolutely right? People don't realize it's our job to educate you on civic issues. It's our job to let you know what's going on in your kid's school. It's our job to let you know how your tax money is being spent. Now we're going to laugh. We're going to cut up. Yeah. We might do a little shuffle in the studio, (laughs) but at the end of the day, the responsibility comes first. I want you to know that when you show up and you sit down at six o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, that we're going to inform you. You're going to get a laugh. You're going to know what the Mm -hmm. weather is and you're going to feel pretty good at the end of it.
0: And definitely appreciate that. That's why I love watching Channel 41. That's my news station. And being a woman of color with your big, beautiful naturalista hair in an industry, that does have its share, we're going to keep it a buck, its share of racism, misogyny, ageism, colorism, attractiveness, sexually attractive. Am I going to be able to get it? It, Just keeping it real. How Uh have you navigated these sometimes nasty media waters
1: Oh, Lord. Okay. Start. We're going to start with the real number one. You got to have a crew. You have to have your handful close knit circle of friends that you can be honest. You can be vulnerable with, and you can be pissed off with. There's many a day that I'll go off. Okay. Y'all just don't (laughs) care about it. Um, For me, you need to know who you are and what you believe before you step foot on any, any job in any space in any industry because you will be tested those boundaries are going to be tested I started my career working for the Dallas Cowboys yes it's my favorite team don't add me
0: Mm. um "Mm." I'll never
1: forget I'm like 21 years old you know I show up I'm excited I'm enthusiastic I have all brothers mostly male cousins I've always been kind of the little sister I'm a bit of a tomboy Mm -hmm. and so very quickly you know people get familiar you don't think There were people trying to test the boundaries and the limits of what professionalism looked like. Oh, dear! why don't you just go out with us? Look, I don't have any interest in that, right? I don't get my meat and my bread in the same place. If I had a dollar for every time I had to tell one of those dudes this. And so I think that for me, I've always known who I am, what I believe, and what my standard will be before I show up. And that is always how I have risen above. I'm going to be a truth teller. Okay. Mm-hmm. Co-workers and management be mad at me. Okay. It's days my co-workers mad. I'm like, okay. I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think you're on the right cue on that one. Just take the L and move on. And, keep and it there, pushing. Are days when, there are days when I disagree with my management, respectfully, of course, but I've never been one who's going to show up and go whichever way the wind blows or follow whatever I think is popular at the time. And so I, for me, the way that I feel I've risen above that, is to know who I am and what I believe when I show up. And I'm 100% the biggest advocate. I agree with you. Colorism is a huge problem yes. in television news, in media in general. I remember when The Hate You Give, I love that book. And I normally mm-hmm. don't read young adult fiction. And the cast, a wonderful actress. Right. But she was like 40 shades lighter than the beautiful deep toned sister that's on the cover of that book. And my daughter is a beautiful brown girl. I need her to have mirrors. I want her to see herself reflected back to her. We need everybody. Remember we were talking about representation. Yes. And I think that just like Target has rolled out Halloween costumes for kids who are differently abled, kids who roll in they, they wheelchair on 22s, we need to do the same thing for women of all shades. And it's also about being an advocate. So when we get to positions where we do have a little bit of a corner of the seat at the table. Come on now. You need to, you need to make it count. So you best believe when they ask me questions about how should we cover these protests after the death of George Floyd. I'm gonna give you the real and I'm gonna give you the raw. I'm not gonna sit up here and tell you what's gonna make you feel comfortable or what's gonna make everybody feel like it's a kumbaya moment. No, sometimes you gotta lean in. And so I think I've always said, and people who have known me from day one of my career to now will tell you, I always said, what's the point of getting to the big chair if all you gonna do is use it to park?
0: Ooh, 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 I might have to pass off from plate. And I'm so glad <laughs> that you're that real because sometimes people get into those spaces. And because, you know, I got there, I got to protect myself. They don't want to do that. And that's not a diss. It's just the truth. I remember a young lady in media reached out to me because she felt like an um, an older sister who had position and authority was basically yeah. shutting her down. And I felt so bad because I was like, I don't know what to tell you. She could be protecting herself. It could be insecurity because I see this little young thing because we we know with ageism, child, there will be some people like, "Mm, no, 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 you ain't coming up in here, sis. So for you to take that position, to risk making people mad, to show up authentically, I think it's worth it. Because at the end of the day, dear, people have to respect what you say and how you feel.
1: And be consistent. And that's the biggest thing, right? So you know what you're going to get when I show up and it's not, you know, I want to pick which day I'm going to pick up this mantle. It's that. Mm -hmm. I think for me, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I'm not somebody who came from privilege and influence and all of that. I got everything the hard way, you know, we had to learn the hard way. I was blessed to have a loving home and environment. My mom pushed me to do what I really wanted to do. Not what I thought would be a check. Otherwise I'd be an attorney. And uh, come on now, let's
0: let's talk about it. I
1: 100 percent, man, looking back, I just promised myself that if I ever got to a point where I could be the person to give a hand up, if I could be the person to pull that young sister to the side and be like, look, I care about you, but I'm gonna tell you some hard stuff. You do this, this, this and this. When you do this, this is how they think. You know, you Mm -hmm. have to you got to pass that wisdom along because I was that young sister you talked about. You know, my first internship, beautiful black woman there. And I just knew she was going to take me under her wing. She had no interest. Oh, child. None. Come on. And so Dia will not show up like that. You know, um, I want to be a resource. I want to be somebody who pours in. I don't want to be somebody who shuts folks out.
0: Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of not only security and who you are, but maturity and good fruit. And I'll be honest, you know, I wasn't always like that. I remember a girl was like, oh, I want you to be my mentor. But I didn't feel like at the time, I was still a knucklehead, I was still in the streets, even though I was on these airwaves part of the time. I didn't feel like I had what it took to lead her. And I think that's a mistake because we have to show up in our story, even the ratchetness of it, because there's somebody that can glean. Yes.
1: And I think again, particularly black people, we have been coached with like that Bill Cosby thought process of like, you got to be perfect. You got to be the straight A student, two parents, the dog and the picket fence, and you better own your brownstone. And so I think that we've all kind of received bits and pieces of that, of that, I would almost call it like the generational curse that you have to be the perfect person to show up. And a lot of that is what Kevin and I try to buck, particularly when it comes to the evening news. I can't tell you, we get emails at least once a week, Julie, from somebody saying, I didn't know the news was like this. And I'm like, like what? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Exactly. And so uh, for us, it's about, and for me, my personal creed is just, I want to show up. I want to be authentic. I want to be transparent and I want to be accessible because you're right. It takes all of us. And most of our parents was in the streets too. They just don't want to tell us.
0: Look, I know my son. Well, and now that he's older, he know a little, he knows a little bit. So he'd be like, Oh, Oh really? Oh, that was your temperament? Oh, that was you? That was you? (laughs) Yeah. Because I see a little bit sometimes. Sometimes he'll do something. You'll you'll learn this with your kids, dear. They will do something or say something be like, oh, ooh, oh. We know where they got it. I know where you got that, honestly. I heard him going off on somebody one day. You're not just going to tell me. I said, oh, Jesus. So, well, well, he got it on both sides with that. I said, well, son. Well, well.
1: It's hard to be mad too, because in the words of the old folks, they got it honest.
0: Yeah, so you'd be like, "Uh, okay. And I know that even though you all have fun, I love you and Kevin so much on the airwaves. It just really makes a difference. There's hard times we go through professionally. One thing I even heard Tamron Hall say she was doing an interview with the late Michael K. Williams on dealing with the hater in your head. Like, you can get. 25 positive remarks, but that one negative thing that happened that day or that negative, crazy tweet or email can stick in your mind and you will repeat it. Have you ever been your worst critic when stuff like that happens to you? And how did you get through it?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I don't think there's a woman listening right now who hasn't been that. And sometimes we don't even need the comment, the tweet, the post or the text. It's us. We do it to ourselves. Yeah. So my personal philosophy on that is real simple. I talk to myself the way I would talk to a friend. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell my friend, oh my God, why can't you just get rid of that last little bit of fat right there? I would never do that. I wouldn't obsess about how hard she worked out or if she ate a Snickers for breakfast because she was running out the door. You know what I'm saying? Give the grace that you would like to receive to yourself. And we skip that a lot. Yeah, we get the haters and we get all those comments. You know what's funny? Uh, We are now in the age, in our industry of like the clap back. Yeah. Um, Some things I don't dignify with a response.
0: Because it's not worth it.
1: It's not worth it. And the other thing too, if you don't learn how to jump baby hurdles, you'll never crest mountains. Mm. And- we all—I mean, we just skipped that part—and I think that's why it's so important for us to have those bridges that we were talking about, right? From somebody—somebody right. Somebody in the newsroom called me an old head the other day. I said, "Oh, really? That happened fast." <laughs> but uh, when we do that, <laughs> Listen, but you need that, and I say that because um, the conflict and the resolution skills, and learning how to deal with people being overly critical of me when I was a young mm-hmm. woman in sports now it affects me so much less than it did then oh that's good and so i would i would coach my young ladies out there who want to get to the status that you had julia Grown. you have to learn how you want to respond and how you want to show up to those small offenses mm-hmm. because that's how you learn how to tackle big ones for example like you do in marriage all right <laughs> no that's that's real Cause that yeah because I mean you gotta you have to be able to and so like I used to get some real hateful ones um when I first started, and I mean, it would just it would debilitate me and I would be so terrified and I would mute myself and then I would wonder how I was gonna show up the next day and how I was gonna have my head held high, and all I did was I kept showing up and I kept working hard, and what mm-hmm. you will find is sometimes the very people who are so critical and so hateful come on now become the very people who are reaching out to you saying, how do I get to be where you are? Number one, get off the keyboard. But that's the story for today.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, because dealing with the public has shifted. You know, you spoke yes. about what happened early on with you. Like you used to get the nasty emails, occasional phone call. I can remember those Dia. I can remember some of the hateful and even though, you know, we are women who say we love women, I've oh, had yeah. some nasty things from women. Whew. And you know, I can't believe, are you educated? And, you know, and I could go down my, I, I can, I can throw you my degrees if you want to. You know, Hello. trust, Hello. I got I got the council check to show it. Um, but there's been things where men kind of got in got into the mist. And I would right. be, I would be horrified, like if my brother or husband. Start having a girl fight with a woman like I would really be like snatch them myself. I'm going to tell you that. But I do think it's what you say. Learning to pick your battles every now and then, you know, I might make a little time, but I'm, I'm going to come respectfully and in a way that either make you pause or you just going to be so mad. You gonna have to stomp off or key yes. me back real hard, <laughs> especially during yes. the political season. But I think to be unbothered. You always have to remember your day was going great before that happened. And at the end of the day, you're going home back to being yourself. So you really have to learn to separate it.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that that took me a little time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I'm I'm real big on is what you do is not who you are. That's powerful. You know, I think so often, man, we get caught up in that. Like, absolutely. Beyonce is Beyonce at the concert. Certainly but she's mommy at the house. Yeah. And I I think we got to remember that for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're in an era where people want everything in 280 characters and everybody wants something quick and spicy to throw out because they're seeking relevance. Don't give them yours.
0: And that would go for anybody. Amen. Do not waste the space, the characters or the time because mostly, Dia, what I've learned, like people like, oh, did you see this? Did you see this? I had to tell a friend, don't tag me in nothing ignorant like that. I huh? really don't care what they say, because if you're not paying my bills on my street, preach. I, I, I ain't got nothing for you, because I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna <laughs> sit in the corner of my couch, watch my ratchet TV, and I'm gonna be cool. <laughs> like, don't even tag me in that, because that's not even. It's not worth it. And I would say that to anybody, especially young women, dear, who look at you and they want to go into your field. And right now, it looks all it looks all fun, right? Or being on social media or or getting the likes and getting the follows, but with it can come responsibility and even a little headache if you're not careful.
1: Yes. 100%. The reason why I said, know what you care about, know what your values are is because the reason I got into this business was so that little girls like I was at nine will have somebody who knows where they are coming from and believes in where they're going. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm here. So somebody's little hateful tweet is not going to stop me from doing that. You know, um, I want to be able to speak authentically when we have, I mean, let's call it what it is, atrocities and injustices that mm-hmm. happen in communities of color. I want to be able to show up. Yeah. That's why I'm here, because if I decide to put that mantle down, there's no telling who I'm going to be replaced with. And there's no telling that they're going to have that same value set that I have. So I'm going to keep on showing up, Julie. I'm going to keep on yeah. showing up. And let them stay mad.
0: Yeah, just stay big mad. And Dia going to be chilling. <laughs> She's going to put on a deep conditioner when she go home and her bonnet. And it's going to be okay. may <laughs> have a glass of wine, too. Listen. Okay. And Beyonce, wear a bonnet at home, too. Don't get it twisted. So <laughs> You know it. Know it. Now, dear, we have got to talk about your book, The Unhappiest One. When I saw this, I was so freaking excited because you're sharing your story with us. And I got to be real, dear. When I see you, I see joy. I see confidence. I see um, happiness. I see courageousness. I see someone who has set a moral compass and a standard for herself that is to be admired. Your success is tangible. The accolades. I could go on and on. But your book, The Unhappiest One, and I want to read something from a post you made. I'm a woman who got it all and realized it wasn't enough. This is my story, unfiltered. And I was like, whoa, share with us more about that.
1: So The Unhappiest One, long story short, I knew what I was going to call the book before I even really decided I was going to write this book. So we had our daughter uh, in October of 2017 uh, we got pregnant with her fresh off of a miscarriage. We lost our mm, first pregnancy. Oh man. I was a day before 12 weeks and we had told our family, we had told our friends, I mean like the close circle, you know? Right. And I just remember, um, I immediately knew it was kind of traumatic, the whole experience. And I talk about it in the book and I just mm. remember the first feeling I had was shame, mm. and you know, my husband, God love him pushed and was like, dear, we want to have a family. You know, we're going to we're gonna move forward. We want to have a family. And I ended up pregnant the next month. And our daughter was born. I mean, I've always wanted to be a mom, Julie. My entire life, I have wanted okay. to be a mom. Yeah. And I remember we had this beautiful baby girl. I mean, when I tell you most babies come out ugly, <laughs> you know how it is. You know how it is. It's the trauma of birth, right? And when I tell you my daughter was beautiful from the first photo she ever took, and I just remember getting home. It's like day three, and Kevin found me sitting on the floor of our closet, just sobbing. Kevin, the husband, not Kevin. Yeah, not
0: Kevin Holmes. He ain't up in her house like yeah. that, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> important
1: distinction. <laughs> and uh, and of course, my husband's like, "Do I need to call? Do I need to call the number?" I'm like, "Boy, if you don't get out of my face!" I didn't have problems taking care of my daughter. You know, I didn't have postpartum, but I was struggling deeply, and I felt like something was not calibrated appropriately. And I just remember saying I'm the unhappiest one in the entire world. And believe it or not, like three in the morning, we bought the URL and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But one day, well, roll around, life keeps going, the pandemic hits. And I had some friends who were deeply struggling just with Mm -hmm. everything that was happening, with all the uncertainty in the world, with isolation, with some dealing with financial loss, some dealing with loss of parents, you know? And I felt like I had this internal guiding light, this internal force. Number one, my faith in God is a huge part of that. Yes, um, And I talk about my faith in the book. It is not a Christian book. I want to be clear about that um, because I, I'm not a preacher. Let me say that again. I am not a preacher. Oh, but you're um,
0: preaching though. Go ahead, sis.
1: Hello. Well, I, listen, <laughs> but I do talk about my faith in the book. And Absolutely. So long story short, you know, when I was, I had a little more time, you know, I worked from home for three months. My kids were a little older. And I sat down and started started writing my thoughts, kind of like my personal philosophy we were talking about. And what I realized is there are people and places and experiences in my life that have really shaped me to find that sense of joy, that sense of certainty, uh, that sense of confidence that you see. And it is very real, but I had mm-hmm. to fight for it. Um, I talk about therapy in the book. Um, I talk about fighting with my husband in the book. <laughs> I talk oh, about everybody do that uh, growing up with a, a dad who had some, some serious addiction problems. So I I talk about a lot of those things. I, the way I like to explain it is it's a sort of memoir. So I'm not a preacher. I've said this. So this is not me preaching at you, but this is me telling you mm-hmm. in a real place of vulnerability, my story and how I got to where I'm at places where I juke left when I should have juke right, you know, <laughs> places where I messed I up. That, yeah. Um, and it, it really tells you the work that I did and the things that helped shape me into who I am today. And I can honestly say at almost, what, 35, when the book is released, it's being released on my 35th birthday. Who do? Um, I feel the best I've ever felt, Julie. And I think it it comes from sometimes, you know, that the experiences and the things you go through aren't for you and you mm-hmm. alone. That's what this book is for me. Um, I wanted to share it because I feel like, people ask me. And when I go out to places, they're like, what? I don't understand. How are you always so up? And what's your secret for A or B or C? I feel like I've been giving some version of this story my whole life, particularly my career. Mm -hmm. And so this was a place for me to put it all down and, and kind of mark this, this place in time, but it really is how I fought my way back.
0: That is an amazing testimony. And I think women of all ages, because we can start and stop at any time in life. Some of us get the lessons early. Like you sounded very mature. Now, me at 21, child, just, you know, we just going to glorify God right now because he's able to sustain you. (laughs) He is able. Thank God his forgiveness as far as the East is from the West. <laughs> yes, Lord, yes. But even as you turn 35, 40, 45, 50, you can always hit these hurdles and these humps. Yep. You know, especially should I have done this? Well, what if I would have done this differently? And and you talk about shame. And sometimes we do feel shame for the decisions we didn't make and the ones we did. Yes. So telling your story is so important. What do you want women to get when they read your book, The Unhappiest One Dia? About owning their own story, no matter what age or stage that they're in and going forward and finding, finding that sweet spot, that, that confidence, that light that you speak of.
1: I think the biggest one is that don't look at somebody else's path, right? So if you, if you know me or you watch us at six and ten, first first of all, thank you. We shall appreciate that. Hallelujah. But if you're watching me on the news and you're like, oh my God, this woman has it all. So do you. My only goal is for women to look at their own life and see the, the hidden treasure that's right there beneath their feet. We miss it. We miss it so often. I talk about the danger of comparison. Um, there's a, the whole book opens with a chapter called, this is good, but that's better. How many times have we messed up something in our life, a relationship, a job, a situation, an environment, a friendship. That was really good because we thought we had something better.
0: mm. Yeah.
1: And so for me, the only thing I want you to take away is that you have so much to offer. You have so much beauty within your own life, right where you are. You don't have to be anybody different. You may have to adjust a few things here and there, but the greatest thing is your perspective. Right. And looking at your life and being able to say, okay, um, another chapter is called the small stuff is actually the good stuff. You know, Mm. I will leave you with this. If you want to have a garden that grows large and bountiful and beautiful, first you got to love to water. Okay. You got to love getting your butt up in the morning, going out there and watering your plants. Then you got to love to weed. You got to get in there and take out the stuff that doesn't belong. Take out the things that are going to hinder the growth. Mm. And then you got to love harvesting when it's time. And so often we may know it's time to take a step or make a move but we're a little nervous about how it's going to turn out Mm -hmm. or if we make the wrong decision to the left or to the right, this book is me being obedient in the harvest. And so all I want you to take away is that you got your own garden. You're growing something, baby. And when it's time for you to harvest, I hope this gives you the inspiration to know how to do
0: it and go forth with some joy and happiness in your own life. Well, that'll preach right there. Make sure you check out Dia Wall's book, Get It, Order It, TheUnhappiestOne.com. Check her out on Channel 41, KSHB, The Soul Patrol. And of course, Dia, I look forward to seeing what is next for you. And thank you so much for sharing your full story. Julie, thank you. Woo, sis, I love chopping it up with my girl, Dia. You see, we know the glam and we see the glory, but don't know everyone's story. That did rhyme, yes. But I hope this conversation inspires you to show up in the spaces assigned to you. That is one thing that I admire about Dia, because as a woman, and a woman of color, it would be easy for Dia to say, I'm here, I got my promotion, I got my bag, I ain't rocking the boat, I'm gonna be comfortable. But having the part and not using our voice doesn't fully serve us well. Representation without power doesn't lead to transformation but it becomes simply a check box and a safety net for us. Now, Dia ain't coming in, blowing up the spot, acting a doggone fool, but her standing in her truth, knowing who she is and speaking up for what is right, that's gonna change wherever she sets her foot, which can help the next sister along the way because it's not just about us. We all must be courageous wherever we are, showing up as who we are. And knowing Dia's story is inspiring, a reminder that we all have a story. We need to own it, tell it, because it is who we are. And we never know how our story will inspire someone else. And our stories confirm our journey and that, you know what, I'm A-okay. We have our ups, our downs. We have our weaknesses and our strengths. Nevertheless, we are who we are because of our experiences. Well, sis, thank you for joining me for this episode of Grown Woman Stuff with me, Julie Jones. Be blessed, we'll do it again next week. Don't forget to check me out weekdays, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. on KPRS Hot Winter 3 Jams, or at KTRS.com. Music, Alpha Music Library, property of Carter Broadcast Group.